We are pumped, I am pumped, to be starting a brand new series today called Worst Day Ever. Worst Day Ever. I believe, and here's why I'm excited about this series, because I believe that our bad days can be some of God's best moments in our lives. And that's what this series is all about. Let me ask you a question, a little class participation here. How many people have ever had a bad day? Let me see your hand. Come on, bad day. All right, how many of you have ever had a bad month? Let me see your hand. You've had a bad month. Anybody had a bad year? Let me see. I'm not going to ask if you've had a bad decade, but I know that there are some stretches sometimes uh, where, where, you know, you just have, like, life just, it just stinks. All of us go through bad days. All of us go through um, bad seasons. And sometimes bad days, worst days ever, they're just annoying, right? Because you get a flat tire or you spill your coffee or, come on, parents, you're cleaning up kids' throw up, right? Um, But sometimes our our worst days ever are much more serious. It's finding out tragic, awful news or losing someone that you love. And I asked uh, this week for on Facebook for some of you to describe uh, your worst day ever. And there's some great comments on there, some great stories. And um, one of my friends said, I want to share a few with you. One of my friends said that uh, one time she was running late for work and having a, a horrible morning and, and she was eating hot oatmeal in the car while rushing to work and she had to make a quick turn and the oatmeal spilled all over her legs and burned them really bad. Then she spilled her coffee Uh, all over the car in the process. The next day, her husband was cleaning out the car and he accidentally broke the radio and CD player because of all the coffee that had been spilled in it. Anybody ever had a morning like that? Come on, let's just... Somebody said, you know, every bad day I ever have starts with, I overslept, I'm running late to work, right? And that seems like things happen. Maybe you're running late and you hit one of the 47 trains in Jefferson County that... It's another another story for another time. Anyway... um, one person said decided, uh, they decided to skip their college classes down in Tennessee and drive to Cincinnati for opening day of baseball. They had a flat tire in the rain. Uh, they got to a gas station with a cover, but the gas station made a move because they were blocking paying customers trying to stay dry. Finally, they arrived in Cincinnati, woke up the next morning on game day, and it was snowing. They get to the stadium in the freezing cold. They park a long way away to save money. They go to their seats, the game starts, and seven pitches in, the home plate umpire collapses and dies of a heart attack on the field, and the game is canceled. So I think probably the tragic heart attack is a little more serious than the game being canceled, but how many people know that's a, that's a pretty bad day? But uh, my aunt actually shared this story that I had never, I never knew. My, uh, my uncle, or her husband, was playing with their two-year-old son and tossing him kind of up in the air in the bed, and... Uh, the two-year-old hit the light fixture, the glass light globe. It broke. It cut his head open, and they needed stitches. And uh, it was 10 p.m. And how how many people know any day that involves a a, a 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. emergency room visit was a bad day, okay? And you get to meet some of life's greatest people in the emergency room during that time. But anyway, so they're looking, uh, they have to go to the, the emergency room. The, the smaller emergency room is closed, so they got to drive to the big emergency room. It started to rain. The windshield wipers were not working. So they, they were going down a street that was flooded, and then the car flooded out, and they're stuck in the rain with a two-year-old that needs stitches. 
had to walk to a payphone. Somebody came and got them. It's just a bad day. It's just a bad day. And so sometimes our worst days are, are annoying. Seems like nothing can go right. But other times our, our worst days, our bad days are, 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 are tragic. Um, awful news or someone that we love is lost. Several people commented on, on Facebook about the day they found out they had cancer or their house burned down and they lost everything that they had. And whether it's annoying or tragic, we all experience bad days. We all experience bad moments and, and, and bad seasons in our lives. But I love the fact that Jesus is not caught off guard by our bad days. I love the fact that it's never a surprise to him, that he actually gave us a heads up about bad days. In John chapter 16, Jesus himself said, here on earth, talking to us, here on earth, you will have many, everybody say many, you'll have many trials and, and sorrows. You're just going to have stuff happen and you're going to have bad, bad days. And so following Jesus doesn't mean that we won't have bad days. But it does mean that we have him on our side when we go through the bad days. So for this series, we're going to use a story uh, from the Bible. This will be a four-week series, and all four weeks we're going to be focused on one uh, story in the Bible about a day, one day in the life of King David. I'm really excited in, in, in three weeks, two more Sundays after today, my brother Jeremy is going to be speaking for us, and uh, he's never been able to be here with us. He pastors a church of his own in Atlanta, and so we worked it out for him to be able to come and, and to speak. So I'm excited about that, but we'll, we'll be all four weeks in this one story, this one day in the life of, uh, of King David, and we'll look at a, a different part of the day each week and learn some truths about how to handle life's toughest moments. Now, I know we've all had some, some bad days, uh, but on this day in this story, David was having one of the worst days imaginable. Let me just give you some of the highlights, okay? Or let's, let me give you some of the lowlights. There was nothing high about it. Let me give you some of the lowlights, okay? David was the king of Israel, which that's cool. But on this day, his oldest son, Absalom, decided to throw a coup, kill his dad, and take over as king, Okay? Now, I know you've had some flat tires and things like that, but can you imagine finding out that your oldest child wants to kill you? Now, I know some of you are like, I have teenagers. This conversation happens every day in our house. But I'm talking about like real murder, okay? That, can you imagine finding out that your oldest son wants to, to murder you? That is a bad, that's a bad day. And I want to make one point before we... Um, before we get into the, the focus of this week's message, I think, I think it's a really important point that sometimes we can think that bad things happen to, to bad people, right? We can even believe that, that God uses bad things or bad moments to punish bad people, right? So that we won't be bad or do bad things anymore. I know I grew up uh, kind of believing that religious idea uh, like a lot of you, that, that flat tires and, and car trouble and cancer and losing your job, like those are the kinds of things that happen to, to people who do uh, bad things. But what's interesting about this story is that David is going through one of the worst days imaginable, 
And he was the real deal. Like he loved God. God described him as a man after his own heart. He wrote worship songs. He wrote books of the Bible. He killed Goliath. Like he was a real deal, God-loving dude, all right? And so if our theology is that bad things happen to bad people so they won't do bad things anymore, what do we do with, with this story that we're about to read? Because David was not a bad guy. He was a great guy. But bad things were still happening, right? Now, are there times when God will use circumstances to get our attention and bring us back home? Absolutely. No doubt about it. Sometimes God sends a whale to swallow you up, Jonah, right? Like sometimes there's a storm. Sometimes things happen because God does want to get our attention. But there's a difference between discipline and revenge. Every parent in the room knows the difference, hopefully, between discipline and revenge. As a father, I discipline my children. Why? So that they won't grow up to be terrible human beings, okay? Like, like I, that, that's a message for some of you right there. Like, you just need to discipline your kids more, all right? You just discipline them more. Some of you are like, ah, I don't spank my kids. I'll spank them for you. Just bring them to me. And like, that's cool. We'll just, I'm your pastor. We'll just call it even. And um, I'm just kidding. Don't bring me your kids to spank them. Actually, I'm the softy in our family. Bring them to Andrea. Andrea will spank them. I'll just like love on them and hug them and like slide them candy and stuff and all that good stuff. But um, as a parent, like we understand that there are times you, you need to discipline a child so that in the long run, they are better and where they need to be and not a terrible human being, right? But I'm not ever like taking revenge on, on, on my kids, right? God doesn't punish you because he's mad at you. And it's important that you know that, that bad things happen to good people just as much as they happen to bad people, right? That, that David shows us, this story is going to show us that, that, that bad things happen to good, and, uh, good people and bad people alike. And so maybe you don't think this, but just in case you do, I want to make sure to point out that like, I hope you're not following Jesus because you think Jesus is a get out of jail free card. I hope you're not following Jesus because somebody told you if you will be a Christian, then bad things won't happen to you anymore. That's, that's not true. You've probably found that out by now. The reason that we follow Jesus is because he is our hope in the middle of bad days and bad situations and bad circumstances. So, so don't think that, that circumstances, all right, prove someone's faith. Oh, well, they must not really love God because look at all the bad things happen to them. Or they must not really love God because look at their marriage. Or they, you know, circumstances don't prove our faith. Circumstances reveal our faith. Where is our hope? Where is our trust? Who, who, who are we believing in and what voices are we believing when we go through those moments? So today, for the first week of, uh, of Worst Day Ever, we're going to talk about bad news. Everybody say bad news. Because bad days almost always involve bad, bad news. So we're in 2 Samuel chapter 15. If you have a Bible, you can read along. If not, it'll be up on the screen. You can, you can read along with us. 2 Samuel chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 10. I'm going to read three verses, verse 10 to verse 13, okay? This is what it says. And I'm reading out of a message translation for this story, so it's going to be a little bit, may not match up exactly what you're reading. It's a little bit paraphrased, but... It says, then Absalom, 
sent undercover agents. That's David's oldest son, Absalom. Then Absalom sent undercover agents to all the tribes of Israel with the message, when you hear the blast of the ram's horn trumpet, that's your signal, shout, Absalom is king. 200 men went with Absalom from Jerusalem, but they had been called together knowing nothing of the plot and made the trip innocently. Skipping down to verse 13. Someone came to David with the report, the whole country has taken up with Absalom. In other words, they come and tell David, like, everybody's turned against you. Nobody's on your side. Everybody's with him. Nobody is with you. David is at the beginning of his worst day ever. Just in a matter of seconds, in a matter of moments, his whole world is turned upside down based on one piece of information. And the information is that Absalom, his son, is making a play for his throne. And if David doesn't get out of town quickly, he's going to get killed. How many people would agree, like, that's a pretty bad day right there. That's a bad day. Isn't it crazy how quickly everything can change in your life over one piece of information? I mean, isn't it insane? Like, you could be going along just fine, life's going good, no problems, and then one piece of information, one phone call, one text message, one Facebook post or comment, one quick little, your boss says, hey, can you just step into my office for just a second? Just one piece of information, and your whole world is turned upside down, and that's what happened to David on, on this day. Now, I want to say something for anyone who may find themselves in an awful season at the moment. Like maybe you're here and you say, Jason, I've had a, some consecutive awful days, months, you know, weeks and years and, and stringing together some, some years here. I'm going through a bad season and some bad, some bad moments. Sometimes, it can feel like God is this type A, driven, you know, God with plans and schedules to keep. And if that is who he is, then it feels that like mourning or crying or being discouraged is, is somehow a, a sign of weakness. Growing up in church, we would always use these war metaphors, warrior, soldier, taking ground, and so it, it, sometimes when you are like struggling and going through some bad times and you're mourning or crying or discouraged, you can feel as if somehow God is disappointing you because he needs mighty warriors and he needs tough guys and strong faith and, and God has plans. He's got a schedule. We've got we to keep it. Maybe you've had friends who have told you to suck it up, move on, get over it. And while we're emotionally paralyzed, we can sometimes feel like God is disappointed in our ability to keep it together. But that's not true. As a matter of fact, it's the exact opposite. I just want to read two scriptures to you real quick. Psalm 56, 8 says, you keep track, talking about God, you keep track of all my sorrows. David wrote this. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. Sorry, Eric Clapton. This is, David originated that right there. All right. That, that, that you've collected all my tears in a bottle and you have recorded each one in your book. Not a single tear drips down your face that isn't noticed, recorded, and captured 
by God. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. No matter how mentally or emotionally strong you are, at some point or another in life, your spirits will be crushed. And when that moment comes, I want you to know that Jesus isn't disappointed or frustrated with you. He actually wants to take the opportunity for you to draw closer to him in your brokenness. Sometimes bad days drive us to our knees, which is where he wanted us the whole time. And one of the gifts that God gives us when we're sad and broken is the ability to feel him closer to us. Let me be just incredibly honest with you for, for a moment. Three weeks ago, I cried for the first time in 13 years. It would take too long to go into all the details, but I hadn't cried since I was 20 years old at my rehearsal dinner before I married Andrea. When my mom got cancer and died, 22 months of treatment, no tears. When people left the church and said some things about me that weren't true, no tears. When my kids were born, freaked out a little bit, but no tears. And it's not as if I didn't want to cry. It's not as if I somehow wanted to be this emotional robot or not experienced. You know, there were times when like the elders or staff would get together and we would like encourage one another and pray for one another and everybody's crying in the room and like, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't crying. As a matter of fact, at one time, Corey, who was on staff with us at the time, he's like, cry, dang it, come on, cry. You know, and I'm like... My oldest daughter, Sadie, she's eight, and, and, and she's like, Dad, I've never seen you cry. Please cry for me, Dad. I just want to see you cry. She's like laughing, like, Dad, I wish you'd get hurt so I could just see you cry one time. I just want to see you cry. Prayed about it, you know, talked talk to God about it. I've gotten some places written down and some prayer journals of mine. Like, you know, God, like, I thank you for the emotional stability, God. But like, man, if I could just, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it exactly, and um. God just kind of designed my DNA different. And uh, so, so 13 years, no tears. And uh, three weeks ago, just the perfect storm of fears and emotions and stress just, just converged over top of me. I wasn't sleeping, uh, which is never a problem for me. Uh, I would, I would stand in the shower until the hot water ran out, just struggling, trying to get my bearings, not knowing what was going on, and um, I was just shook. Like, like a boxer who gets knocked out for the first time or a, a batter who gets hit by a pitch and is afraid to step back in the box. I don't know what was happening. I was just was shook, and I don't know if you've ever been there, but it was just, I was just in a funk, and I didn't know what was going on, and Andrea's incredible. We talked about it. She was praying for me. But, but I just was, I, there was just something going on, and I, and, and I was talking on the phone with my dad a few days into this, and uh, we were talking, and I was sharing a little bit about it, and I don't even know what happened, but all of a sudden, something just broke in me, and like, I just started sobbing. I'm talking like ugly cry. How many ugly criers we got in the room? Come on. Yeah, I'm talking just ugly cry. And... Um, 
you know, trying to like talk through it, but you're just wasting your time. Like you just got to, you know, I, I don't know. And um, I know this sounds dumb, not the story, but what I'm about to say. I know this sounds dumb, but and maybe I'm the only one who feels this way, but there was a part of me that felt silly uh, for crying. The, I felt like I was being too emotional. It felt like I needed to get it together, you know. But that's not how God feels about our tears, and that's not how God feels about our emotional meltdowns. See, God is like a, he's like a father who holds his child when they fall and scrape their knee on the sidewalk or fall off their bike or slam their finger in the door. Like, he's your father, and he'll, he just wants to hold you until you're ready to get down and go play again. And be honest, parents. Isn't, like, the only good part of your kid being sick the fact that they'll cuddle with you? Like, like isn't, isn't the only good part the fact that they'll fall asleep on your lap? And that's how our father is. Sometimes our pity parties and our emotional meltdowns are just great excuses and opportunities to crawl up in the lap of our father and, and just have a cry. So for the rest of our time together, I, I just want to look at one statement in, in this story that has the ability to change the way that we handle bad days and, and bad news. So I want to go back for just a second, and I want to reread 2 Samuel 15. We, we read it before. I want to reread it and, and highlight just a few words. If you have a Bible with a pen, you can underline. If you're on your phone, you know, use the highlight feature or whatever. I just want to highlight a few words in this story to, to, to point out a, a powerful truth that, that we can learn from David's bad day, the beginning of his bad day. So 2 Samuel 15, read it one more time, verse 10, says, Then Absalom sent undercover agents to all the tribes of Israel with this message. When you hear the blast of the ram's horn trumpet, that's your signal. Shout, Absalom is king. So that's the plan. If you have a pen, underline these next three words. 200 men went with Absalom from Jerusalem. You can underline this next sentence too. But they had been called together knowing nothing of the plot and made the trip innocently. And if you skip down to verse 13, it says, Someone came to David with this report. Underline those next three words. The whole country has taken up with Absalom. Really, really powerful, interesting point here. Just to recap, 200 men who didn't know why they were going went with David's son Absalom. And by the time that the news reaches David, what's the report? The whole country is against you. It's not true. It's not true. 200 fellas who thought they were going to like a cookout are up there with Absalom. And by the time the news reaches David, he's like, you're not going to believe this. The whole country's against you. Nobody's on your side. Everybody's against you. Everybody's turned. Absalom's got all the power. Absalom's got, got everything. Not true. Was it a bad day? Absolutely. Was it bad news? Absolutely. But here is the powerful truth in the story is that bad news is rarely as bad as we believe. That bad news is rarely as bad as we believe. I know I've read a lot of verses, but let me just read. I want to read one more verse to you. This is Psalm chapter 3, verse 1. And the reason I want to read this is because David wrote this at the same time, like right in that window of what we're reading in 2 Samuel 15. So David, who wrote Psalm, he's writing his feelings 
about what we're reading in 2 Samuel chapter 15. You with me? So we're getting some insight into his heart, right? Psalm 3 verse 1 says, Oh Lord, he's talking to God, praying to God, Oh Lord, I have so many enemies. Everybody say so many. He says so many are against me. Everybody say so many. So many are saying God will never rescue him. David is going to God and he's tore up and he's all out of whack and his life's been turned upside down because in David's mind, everybody's turned. So many are against him. Nobody wants him to be king anymore and everybody's sided with Absalom and this day couldn't get any worse. The bad news on our bad days is usually not as bad as as we believe. The Bible says that, that the devil, our enemy, is a roaring lion. We've talked about this many times around here, but I think it's worth highlighting again that the Bible describes him as a roaring lion. He doesn't describe him as a biting lion. I'm not belittling the roar of a lion because how many people know if a lion walked through that back door right there and started roaring, I'm out the side door, Okay. So, so I'm not belittling a roar, but I do want to point out that a lion who only roars and doesn't bite is not near as dangerous as a lion who bites. And so the Bible says that our enemy, the devil, is a roaring lion. And I think that's important because I know in my life, and I'm willing to guess in your life, what happens to us is when we go through bad days, bad seasons, worst days ever, here's what happens. That pesky little roaring lion starts roaring in our ear and in our mind. And we begin to believe worst case scenario. So on our worst day ever, we believe the worst case scenario. We believe that it's as bad as it could possibly be, that, that it'll never work out. Like we start hearing that roaring lion and we just grab a hold of bad news and worst case scenarios. And what happens to us is that when we get this bad news, we, we have three options. We have three choices, right? Really two, but, but, but three for the sake of this illustration. We get bad news and we've got facts, Nothing you can do about facts. Facts are facts. You got fears. We'll talk about that. But then you don't have to stop at fear. You've also got, got faith. But what happens to us is we get bad news. We get bad facts. That roaring lion starts roaring and we get paralyzed with fear. It's the whole reason a lion roars. You do the research. They roar so you'll be paralyzed so they can eat you. And so we get the facts. We stop and we believe our fears. We believe our fears. Let me just give you a couple of, uh, of examples of this. Like, so we have facts, we have fears, and we have faith. So you get a call from the doctor that says we ran the test, we need you to come in, we want to talk to you about it. You go in and they put the report up and they say, you have stage four cancer. That is a fact. They don't say that's a fact, but I'm saying that's a fact. That'd be kind of crazy. Your doctor's like, that's a fact. Um, you have stage four cancer. Fact. This is not a sermon about denial. This is not some kind of faith like, nope, don't, I don't have stage four cancer. I don't, like, no, you do. You have stage four cancer. It's a fact. 
But when we find out that bad news, what do we do? We believe our fears. So, so we don't hear you have stage four cancer. What do we hear? I'm not going to be around to raise my kids. Never going to be able to walk my kids down the aisle. I don't have life insurance, and so my family's not going to make it, and I'm leaving them worse off than they would have been better off without me. Maybe I would be better off if I just went ahead and left anyway. If I would have been healthier, maybe I wouldn't be sick. It's my fault that I found myself in this situation. We don't hear facts. We hear fears, and we believe them. We believe them. But we don't have to stop there. We don't have to stop at believing our fears if we're willing to press through and endure. The thoughts will come. It's only natural. But if we are willing, we can go one step further. And instead of believing our fears, we can believe faith. Faith says that by his stripes, we're healed. Faith says that people recover from cancer all the time. Faith says that there are doctors and medical miracle people who can be answered to prayers. Faith says maybe God's putting me through this because he has a mission field he wants me to go to every day to get chemo. Faith is over on this side, but most of us stop and believe our fears. Let me give you another one. Principal calls and says, your kid, your son or your daughter has been suspended because they were smoking pot in the bathroom. That's a fact. They, they were doing it, right? Like, no, no, they weren't. It's like, no, no, they were. They have been smoking weed in the bathroom. That's a fact. But we don't hear fact. That roaring lion starts roaring in our mind and we hear fear and we begin to believe our fears, right? So we don't hear your son or daughter uh, was smoking weed in the bathroom. We hear you're the worst parent in the history of parenting. We hear, you know what? Your son or daughter is probably going to be addicted to drugs for the rest of their life. They're probably going to get arrested. They're probably going to OD. They're probably selling drugs. If you were a better mom or dad, you would have put them around better friends. You would have probably raised them in church. Maybe the fear that you hear in your mind is, you know, this is all your fault because of things they saw you do or the things that you modeled in your life. Maybe your fear is they're never going to get it together. They're never going to, it's just their life is going to be a messed up forever. That's the voice of the roaring lion. It's fear. It's not fact and it's not faith. It's fear. It's fear. Maybe the fact is that there's no money in the bank account. That is a fact. You're broke. Fact. But we don't just see a, a digit of zero in a bank account. We hear the voice of the roaring lion in our life that says you'll always be broke. You're never going to amount to anything. If you were smarter, you wouldn't be in this situation. If you were more talented, if you hadn't wasted your life, if you weren't addicted to the things that you were addicted to. Like, we don't hear and stop and believe fact. We believe fear. I want to challenge you today. Let's stop believing our fears and start believing our faith. Stop believing our fears and start believing our faith. I just want to encourage you today, get your hopes up. Everybody's always saying, don't get your hopes up. Don't be too excited. That's terrible advice. Let's get our hopes up. Let's choose to believe in faith. Let's choose to believe that God is greater than anything that we're facing in our life. Let's choose 
to believe that our bad days could be his best moments. Let's choose to believe that he knows what he's doing in our life and that if we're going through a terrible season right now, there has to be a purpose that's greater than anything we understand. I don't know the last time that you um, went and saw a 3D movie. I've got four children who love movies, so we're kind of in the 3D zone right now. And um, I remember the first time that I went and saw a 3D movie. Um, they give you these glasses. These are actually 3D glasses. And um, you, you go in the movie, and, and I'm sure you probably have experienced this, but you go in the movie, and if you don't have your glasses on, it looks awful. Like it looks, it's like blurry and it doesn't really, and it gives you a terrible headache. Don't try it. But I mean, like it's, it just looks awful. But what's crazy is like you put these glasses on and all of a sudden, because your eyes could only see in, in, in certain dimensions, when you put the glasses on, now you're able to see in another dimension, Right? So maybe for today, just for the sake of this illustration, maybe we would just call these our faith frames. Like when you're, when you're dealing with life and you're facing bad news and you're going through your worst seasons ever, if you don't have your faith frames on, then life is blurry and it gives you a headache and a migraine and stress and fear and pressure. And you're wondering why would anyone pay to see this movie? Because it looks ridiculous and it doesn't even make any sense. But if you can ever put your faith frames on and choose to see life in another dimension, an added dimension, then everything begins to come together. Everything begins to to come together. It didn't make sense before because we were just believing facts and fears, but now we've added faith to the equation. Faith changes everything. Faith changes everything. So I want to encourage you today, put your faith frames on. Choose to believe faith. Stop stopping at fear and listening to the voice of the roar of that lion. Whatever you're facing and hearing, it could be true, but there is a truer truth. There's a truer truth. We don't have to stop in fear. Let's pray.